Well, let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians. Boy, this is falling off. It's getting, it's getting cooler and cooler. Let's try it again. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We love the Bible. Bible's very good. Bible, good. So the letter, the letter to the church at Ephesus is a circular letter written, uh, uh, meaning it was intended for a congregation to receive and then to be shared and read by many churches in the area. And the letter to the church uh, at Ephesus, Ephesians, is, has a uniqueness to it in the New Testament canon in that other epistolary literature has uh, in the intent of correcting uh, or confronting or answering questions uh, uh, posed by congregants. But uh, the letter to Ephesians doesn't seem to be addressing a conflict or correcting a problem. It really seems to be affirming uh, truth and celebrating that which is true. And what and the, the main idea is that subtitle, In Christ, that Paul writes to these congregations to celebrate, to affirm, to remind them. In fact, remember is one of the one of the early um, verbs, imperative verbs. He wants us to remember what God has done for us in Christ. And to be and to have the Holy Spirit even um, newly and continually reveal and impress upon our inner persons all that God has done for us in Christ. That in Christ we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, and ultimately we have been sealed by the Spirit Himself, who has become the down payment now of all of heaven. That He is the down payment of all that we will still receive someday. And because of all that. God has done for us in Christ. He has brought us near to himself and near to one another. This is the great calling that we have received. And so then he transitions about mid-book and says, therefore, considering this great calling, in light of all that God has done for you, in light of who you are because of Christ, live accordingly. Live like it. So we are now at chapter 5. Now we, we know that we put the chapters in there. It's just a little letter. Paul didn't enumerate them into chapters and verses, but we did so that we can find stuff. So we're at chapter 5 in verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 7 today together. Ready here? I'll read to you. Here it is. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma but sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper for the saints nor filthiness and foolish talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no one sexually immoral or impure or greedy who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes 
on upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Paul began this ethical section in chapter 4, verse 1, where he says, to, he urges us to walk worthy of our calling. Okay, considering that we have been called to walk in a way that reflects, that echoes, that, that responds accordingly to the calling we've received. Walk worthy of our calling. Then he tells us that the, the first step in walking worthy of our calling is to walk in unity with one another in chapter 4. And the next step he identified is that we walk in ministry to one another. Then a couple of weeks ago he said that we are to walk this way and not that away. Meaning we walk, he said, walk differently than the world. And now we land in this passage in chapter 5 and verse 1 where he tells us to walk in love. And then he gives a, a singular, powerful example of what that love is and then takes time to delineate here what love is not and what love does not do and then even gives us a warning about lovelessness. So here's our sentence today. Thomas, you already know it. It's pretty clear. Let's throw it up there. Let's say it together. In Christ, we walk in love. Well, how do we do that? How, what does it mean to walk in love, and how do we do that? Now, there's a whole bunch of Bible for that, but how do we do that in terms of what Paul has to say now? What's on his plate? What's on his agenda? What's on his mind right now? He, and right now, he says, he's talking about this. Walk in love means imitate God. Be imitators of God. Don't you, do you have the courage to say imitate God? Four of you did. Imitate God. Well, how in the world can I do that? Some of you saying, well, I know somebody who doesn't, somebody I know doesn't have too much of a problem. They think that, I'm not talking about thinking that you're God. <laughs> Imitate God. How? Listen, as beloved children walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So he says, uh, that we that the, the first thing we learn is that we are to imitate God, and as beloved children, we are to walk in love. As beloved children, walk in love. I'll say it one more time. As beloved children, walk in love. Meaning that you and I are to act like those who are and who have been profoundly loved. Act like, live like those who are and have been profoundly loved. People who know, children, people. How many of you have been a child? <laughs> okay, right? Gotcha. See? Um, people who know that they are loved. Now, I want to be careful. We're talking, I'm talking ideally here. Ideally. We live, in a, we live in a fractured world where people have sometimes have a hard time communicating and even sometimes even have a harder time hearing that they are loved. But ideally, people who know that they are loved live differently. 
When people know that they are loved, they are able to live without a sense of insecurity. They are not afraid because they know they're loved. And that lack of fear lack of ang- leads to a lack of anxiety. It leads, to, it leads to an absence or a lack of hostility, cynicism. Uh, it, 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 it helps to reduce or eliminate the fear that creates a sense of hoarding or greed or Im, or, and even the impulse to, 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 to demand immediate gratification or pleasure. People who know that they are loved live differently. And so Paul is telling the church, he's saying to us, I want us to hear today that one of the best things that you and I, no matter what age you are now, One of the best things that you can learn to do is learn to live like people who are profoundly loved. What does that look like? How have we been loved? Well, Paul tells us that that we have been loved in this way. Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God, and this was a fragrant aroma. It was pleasing to God. Now, I don't necessarily think that the Bible, everything is supposed to be, you know, diagrammed and everything, but I tend to see things like that. And so, but you can see this, that he's saying that Christ's sacrificial love is, was a definitely a horizontal expression, that Christ loved us, he gave himself up for us, he died as a, a substitute for us, he took your sin upon himself because he loved you. And yet, also, the scripture says that that act of love toward us was a fragrant offering to God. It was an aroma of worship. So his love to us was also an expression of devotion to God. So then Christ becomes our example that you and I walk like those who are profoundly loved and therefore love others like Christ. And that act of love toward others smells like worship. God is an aroma that's pleasing to God. What does that love look like? Paul says here, here, in this context, he describes that kind of love. He says that it looks like lives that are pure and grateful. That walking in love toward others here is walking in purity and gratitude. First of all, we love like saints. Somebody say love like saints. But, But sexuality or impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Now, if you're from a certain tradition, you might say, oh, good, I'm excused from that because no one has voted to make me a saint. 
I can appreciate traditions. We don't want to uh, uh, be cynical or, or silly here. But here's the. But biblically, here's the deal. Sometimes I even so will say to people, "Hey, saint, how are you?" And they'll, "Oh no, that's not me." Listen, saint is not something that you achieve. Saint is something that happened to you. Saint is something that happened to you when you, Paul said, having believed, you were sealed with the Spirit. And when you were sealed with the Spirit, you were set apart in devotion and consecration to God. That makes you a saint, set apart. And then you live because of that. You live in response to and because of and empowered by what God has done to you. So let me just say it again. If, I, if, you, say, if, you, if you this morning say, Ooh, I'm not a saint, we can fix that today. Right now today, right now today, through repentance and faith, you can put your trust in Jesus Christ. You give him your faith, he'll give you his spirit. And then he sanctifies you. So as saints, here's what he's saying. So then, because you are saints, maybe you should just say it out loud. Come on, have courage, take a deep breath. Because we are saints. Oh, wonderful, fantastic. I hope the online community did that too. Because we are saints, we're going to love like it. What, is, what does loving like saints look like? Well, it means uh, that we walk without sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. Sexual immorality is the word pornea in Greek, and it, it means any kind of sexual activity that is outside the covenant of marriage. Any kind of sexual activity that is outside the covenant of marriage has no place among those who are loving like saints. Regardless of how people may seek to deconstruct Scripture and say, well, it doesn't mean that, and maybe we should accommodate, and, you know, times have changed. And so all of that, look, there are some things, some things that we do need to reevaluate, and, and some forms of deconstruction are good. I, I'm not a deconstructionist, but I, I, I found myself doing a little bit of deconstruction when it comes to the subjugation of women. I went ahead and vetoed that one and, and, uh, and uh, we, we, we re, re, redid some of that. But uh, most of the time, deconstruction is just an excuse for rebellion. I don't like what the Bible says. I don't like what it might mean. So therefore, I want it to mean something else so that I can live how I want. See law. But there is no room, no excuse for immorality among saints. Nor impurity. Oh boy, impurity, what's that mean? Well, Paul didn't give us a big list, but the word is the same as uncleanness. So here's, here's let me just give you a, a, a quick way to know. How, how do we know if something is unclean or impure? Is it pleasing to God? Is it loving toward others? If it's pleasing to God and loving toward others, it's probably pure. If it's not, it's not. And it has no place among those who are loving like saints. Or greed. Greed is that obsessive, compulsive desire to, to please or to increase or to hoard uh, for myself, especially at the expense of others. 
all of these things are contrary to imitating God, are, are, are contrary to loving like saints. Therefore, Paul says, they should not even be named among us, not spoken of, not said about us. There should be no hint or trace of, those, of these things in our lives because we're saints. Holy people love like it. Secondly, we should speak like saints. Meaning, filthiness, foolish talk, and coarse jesting are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. We don't speak about holy things in unholy and profane ways, particularly when it comes to human sexuality. Human sexuality is sacred. It's not silly, and it's not public. And coarse and vulgar conversation degrades and dehumanizes others. Coarse jesting. I know some of you are glad that it didn't say all jesting. Humor is great. The thing about humor is you've got, if you're really good at humor, you, you, you won't use it to harm others. If you're really good at humor, everybody else won't be the butt of your joke. You know what? And when every, if everyone is the butt of, oh, I'm going to, here we go. If everyone is the butt of your joke, that makes you, uh, anyway, uh, that kind of humor, vulgar and, and coarse speech, it degrades other, it, it, others, it dehumanizes them. And if there's one thing that people want to excuse more than their immorality, it is their mouth. But all of these things are not fitting. They don't fit, they don't match, they don't become, they don't look right, they don't feel right on saints. Rather, the giving of thanks. Someone say giving of thanks. See, the, 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 gratitude is, we've said this before, but gratitude is the 1,200-pound gorilla in the room. What do you mean? Meaning gratitude does not share space. Gratitude is a giant bully. It will not share space with cynicism. It will not share space with greed. It will not share space with illicit desire. Won't do it. It's a 1,200-pound gorilla, and in whatever room it's in, it's the boss. Your, how you, the words that you use reflect how you view your life. Jesus told us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that, reveal, that our words re reveal what's in our heart, but they also, they also reveal our perspective on life. But even more so, and I don't mean this in a metaphysical way, but in a metaphor way, that the, the words that you use will help frame the world you live in. And if our words are coarse and harsh and vulgar and profane, we create a very unpleasant world for ourselves and for those around us. Not to mention the damage that those things will do to our own person. But saints don't talk like that. Rather, saints, gratitude should characterize the conversation of saints. Why? In light of all that God has done for us. 
When we talk about other people, in light of the dignity that Christ's sacrifice gives to other human beings, we should speak that way. And because of the redemption that God has accomplished in our lives, both, both right now and, there, and for what is to come, our lives, our words should be full of gratitude. Giving thanks is the right kind of speech for those for whom God is working all things together for good. If God, if the creator of the cosmos is on your side and working things for good, then we can give thanks. He's a redeemer. God is not, I, we're not, I'm not a fatalist. I don't believe God is a fatalist. I believe he's an opportunist. If, in other words, if a semi-truck has fallen on your house, don't say, well, I'm glad that's over. wonder what God had in store for me. I don't, I don't believe that God dropped the truck on your house, but I believe that he'll redeem it. I believe that he'll buy it back, and somehow he'll do something for your good and his glory in that even. God is that big and that good, and so our lives, our conversations should be characterized by gratitude. Then we should live like heirs. To imitate God means we should live. Imitate God as beloved children, then we should live like heirs. Here he says in verse 5, for this, for this you know with certainty that no one, who, no one sexually immoral, impure, or greedy who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom. Paul says we know this for certainty. Someone say certain. certain. We know this with a certainty. This isn't a fuzzy area. This isn't up for debate. You'd think in some circles it might be, but it is not. Uh, those who practice these things have no inheritance in the kingdom. When Paul speaks of the kingdom, when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the present right now inbreaking of, the, of heaven into our lives. The, the rule of Christ by his spirit, his direct divine influence upon the human heart. The kingdom of God, right now he is working, right now he is ministering, right now even the, the manifestations, even the gifts of the Spirit are expressions, they are exercises of the kingdom, the dominion of God at work. And all of it, yes, it's the compassion, the goodness of God, but all of it is to continue to woo us and to draw us and to form us and to shape us as those who belong somewhere else, as those who are citizens of heaven, as people who are stamped with eternity. So Paul says if we reject these things, if we, if, we, if we reject the rule of Christ and we embrace these kinds of behaviors, we are, we are rejecting, we are precluding ourselves from his present kingdom at work. And we are forfeiting the kingdom to come. His kingdom is a now kingdom and his kingdom is already even more. There is more to come. There is, there is a kingdom yet to be revealed at our redemption. So the kingdom of God is at work in our lives now, and there will come a finality and a completion to it. So we do not live in defiance of that kingdom, but in the embrace of it. We live like beloved children, imitators of God. Therefore, Paul says, do not be deceived, verses 6 and 7. Don't be deceived. Let no one deceive you, which means there are 
people who will try to deceive you. And it is not a new thing. Those who want to deceive. What do you mean by deceive? Uh, Don't let anyone try to influence you with worthless, empty ideas. Trying to tell you that somehow immorality, impurity, greed, profanity, that these things don't really matter. Or they won't affect you. Don't be deceived. Someone say, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't, let, with, don't be deceived by empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't buy into any attempt to trivialize or justify wickedness or sin. It is because, here's the thing we've got to take a deep breath in here. It's because of these things that the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. That word comes is a present verb. In the King James, it's cometh. It's nice sometimes in the King James because if there's a on a verb, we know that it's happening right now. That's a clue. If you're reading the King James, you think, why does it say it's because means now. means now. Sorry, I'm just amusing myself with all the times I'm going to say in the future. Well, the wrath of God is something that is happening now. Right now, the, the wrath of God is at work. The wrath of God, the Bible describes the wrath of God happening right now as God's ongoing opposition to wickedness and evil. It's happening right now. But it will happen in finality in the future. In the same way, the kingdom of God is happening now. In his goodness, in his righteousness, and the manifest influence of heaven in our lives, wooing our hearts, drawing our hearts, and trusting obedience, anticipating that it will be fully revealed. In the same way, the wrath of God is at work warning, opposing, correcting, disciplining, trying to bring people to repentance because there is a full and final wrath to come. Paul says that you and I cannot be partakers with these kinds of sins or or with the people that are practicing them because we need to be aware of the wrath of God. What does it mean not to be partakers with that? Well, it doesn't mean that you need to, you know, go live in your basement and hide from everybody. How many know that this world is just full of stuff? You you are going to be exposed to stuff. I hate to use a phrase that's sort of that's sort of you know kind of become a, a trigger word for the last couple of years, but oh no, exposure. But you know you're going to be exposed no matter what you do. You're going to be exposed to unclean things. You're going to be exposed to impurity. You're going to be exposed to immorality, and you may be exposed to greed. But there's a difference between what you are exposed to and what you choose to entertain. Billy Graham said, "You can't keep the birds from flying over your head." but you don't have to build a nest for them to land. There's a difference between the exposure to the world around us and what we partner with, what we entertain. Paul says, do not be partakers. Do not partake in the sin that others are partaking in. 
And it also is a healthy warning for us to be cautious about our covenant relationships. I'm not talking about, you know, people that, you know, you have, you know, you, you not being, you, we need to be salt, you need to be light, you need to be a witness, you need to be the expression of Christ in your world. But if you are spending a majority of your discretionary time partnering, hanging out in covenant with those who are practicing these things, there's a, I need to caution you because you will become the company that you keep. Do not be partakers with them. Rather, we come back to our main point. Rather, walk in love. Be imitators of God. Imitate the love of God that was demonstrated to you in Christ. And live and love like those who have been profoundly, powerfully loved. This is fitting. This is right. This is appropriate for those who have been sealed by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. This is how saints walk in love. There's a prayer that I'd like to pray with. I'd like us to pray together today. Just three, boop, boop, three bullet points there. It's a little unusual for us to do this, but I'd like us to pray this together by reading this aloud. And I pray that we mean it. Let's read this aloud. Lord, help us by your spirit to know how powerfully, personally, and profoundly we are loved. Lord, empower us by your spirit to love others in a way that expresses our devotion to you. And Lord, by your Holy Spirit's influence, lead us to walk in purity and gratitude. Let's stand together. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way you will in our hearts. Build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation and I will put my trust you. Lord, today we yield freshly to that seal, that deposit of your very presence in our lives. That we belong to you. We are redeemed. We have been and are profoundly loved. 
Lord, by that same Spirit, empower us, compel us today to live and to love like saints. This we pray in the mighty and matchless and miraculous name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, we, I have some prayer workers that will join you here at the front. If you'd like someone to pray with you this morning, perhaps you want to have some business to do with God yet before you leave, come on, let's pray together. Otherwise, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Have a fantastic week. Be kind to someone on your way out. Live like saints.